Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Welcome to I Must Break, this podcast, the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and today is an absolute honor. Here with me today is legendary composer Vince DiCola, the man and music behind Rocky IV and its iconic score. Mr. DiCola, it is a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, hey, uh, you know, Craig Cohen, a mutual friend of ours, Craig Cohen, he had reached out to me and uh, and asked if, if I'd be interested in talking with you. And it was, you know, the the response was immediately, well, you, heck yeah. So, uh, Great. so thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to me. And of course, I want to be respectful of your time today. But, um, you know, before we get into uh, before we get into Rocky Four, because I have so many questions regarding Rocky Four. But you have a, a big show that is coming up in, in West Hollywood. Is that correct? I do. It's uh, at the world-famous Whiskey A Go-Go, and it is on Thursday, September 20th. I'm going to be doing two sets of music. The first set's going to feature a uh, brand-new band that I've been working on with some friends for several years called Saga Star. And the second set is going to feature um, instrumental and vocal material from my film work, in addition to some video game score music that I composed with my good friend and uh, longtime collaborator, Kenny Meredith. Oh, very cool. Well, and I looked uh, at your uh, at the bio that you had sent me, and you are you are part of seven bands. Is that right? 
Uh, I didn't count them. I know at the moment there's there's at least three <laughs> that I'm working on. Um, uh, I think since I since I did that bio, I think it was about a year ago that I updated it. Uh, some of the band projects kind of fell by the wayside, but uh, there are three bands I'm actively working on right now, and one of them is Saga Star, which will be making its debut at this show at the Whiskey. Um, another band is called Cannonballs, uh, and this has been in the making for years, and we're finally getting around to releasing it later this year. Um, and it's sort of a what they call a West Coast uh rock and roll sound it's a, if i could compare it to anybody it would probably be the band toto but there's there's a lot of differences between us and, and toto but it's that style of music and uh and the third band that probably isn't going to come out until later next year is is a band called figurehead and that's a uh based on a 55 minute progressive rock piece of the same name and that's that's taking a lot of work so it probably won't be out until uh, later in 2019. Now, you know, let me ask you, do you find it because, I mean, the 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 musical landscape has changed, you know, so much within the past 30 years. I mean, uh, a lot of stores don't even sell CDs anymore. And so I'm wondering, you know, when you are uh, producing and putting together music with these bands um, and the fact that, you know, we really don't have compact discs anymore, uh, it, it, does that make it... Uh, does that make it difficult, or would you say that you are thriving more day, more more so nowadays in the in the current climate? Well, I've seen over the past ten years the switch from CDs to streaming and selling, uh, you know, downloads, and that's a good and a bad thing because you know CDs are still, at least from an audio standpoint, better quality than most of the downloads, the digital downloads. Uh, and I know vinyl has made a big comeback, and that's that's been a big help, but that's expensive to reproduce. And uh, I just heard the other day, and I can't believe this, that cassette tapes are making a comeback, and that blows my mind because <laughs> – Mine too. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's great in one way, but, I mean, I have so many old cassette tapes that have just worn out their welcome so long ago that uh, it just surprises me how things just keep coming around again. And – I mean, I uh, uh, the really good quality cassette tapes are great in sound. In fact, maybe sometimes even better than vinyl or CDs, but they just don't last long. So I'm not sure what the next big thing is going to be. But um, in the meantime, yeah, digital downloads is helping. And I, we actually are still making CDs because we find that uh, our audience, at least, still enjoys getting an, a physical CD and putting it in a CD player and having it uh, play from beginning to end. Oh, I know. I'm the exact same way when it comes to DVDs and Blu-rays. I just love having that, that, that tangible physical, you know, artifact right there that I, that I have, that I can own and then hold on to, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, well, and it's funny you mentioned cassette tapes because actually the soundtrack to Rocky Four was actually one of the very first cassette tapes that I uh, that I had purchased, and um, I remember actually both sides of it just wearing it out. So yeah. you, I'm, and I, and I'm just gonna fully get to. I was gonna. It's not so much a question, but um, I have to tell you, your music is incredibly inspirational, and especially in the gym. I mean, to this day. Your, your songs are still on my playlist. I mean, if I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out or if I'm going to go for a run, I still will listen to the, the music that you 
uh, scored for Rocky Four. So I guess I really don't have a question, but I wanted to say thank you for that. <laughs> my, my pleasure. I hear this a lot, and and yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I have to admit that the, the, the my exercise regimen now is basically just brisk walking every night and uh, two miles a night. So I don't actually go to a gym, but my friends and people that I know that go to gyms, they say that uh, there's quite a few people that still mention that music as being inspirational in their exercise program. Was was that the intent? I mean, when, when you were scoring and creating the, the music for Rocky Four, what was, I mean, I guess I have a lot of questions regarding the, the score, especially during the training montage sequence, but was that the intent? You wanted music that was going to just inspire and get people to get up and, and exercise and move? You know what? It it was never my intention, but being the fact that it's a Rocky movie, um, and I think this is true of the previous Rocky movie scores with Bill Conti, I think that people just gravitated to that music because it is so inspirational and it's it's uh, it's great for exercising. It's great for any physical activity and just, you know, getting your endorphins going. Um, and I, no, that wasn't my intention, but I think... Shortly after the movie came out and I saw it, you know, I saw the finished product, I realized, you know, hopefully this is going to extend to a lot of different areas. And I've seen this and heard my music being used in so many different uh, formats and, and um, situations like um, it was used at the Olympics one year. It was used for sporting events. And, you know, I mean. I'd like to say, hey, that's all me, and, and it, it's all because of my music. But really, it's it started with the movie. And, <clears throat> you know, Sylvester Stallone created a great uh, format to jump off from for the music. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 been very inspirational to people, and I'm so glad to hear that from year to year. Now, you had first met Sylvester Stallone by working on Staying Alive, is that right? That's correct. Was, now, was this that was this the the job that got you the the next job in scoring Rocky Four? Not really. Um, I mean, I you know I only had a relationship with Sylvester Stallone through Frank Stallone, his brother, um, originally, and because I started working with Frank uh, soon after my wife and I moved out to California in 1981, I knew Frank Stallone um, prior to uh, staying alive. I worked with him just playing keyboards in his band for uh, about a year before the staying alive opportunity came up. And then I worked with him on that movie and we wrote uh, a bunch of songs for that movie. And again, it was the only way I got to know Sylvester was through his brother, Frank. And it was just every once in a while we would run into each other, but that wasn't the reason that I, that, that led to me getting the job for Rocky four. Um, the, the guy that managed Frank Stallone, his name is Robin Garb, uh, before I met Frank, uh, Robin was managing him. And when the Staying Alive opportunity came up, I signed on with Robin as well. And we started our uh, manager-artist relationship. And um, when when the Rocky Four opportunity first came up, Robin was one of the first people that heard about it because he was music supervisor on all of Stallone's films, starting back, I think, with, I believe he was involved with Rocky One. I'm not sure, but certainly from Rocky Two on, with all the Rambo's and all the other movies that Sly did, 
Uh, Robin was the music supervisor. So he was one of the first guys in town that found out that, uh, you know, there was going to be another Rocky movie in the, in the franchise. And he was also the first guy that knew that Sylvester Stallone had a falling out with Bill Conti. So Robin came to me uh, in 1985, I want to say, maybe late 1984. And he said, listen, he said, I know this is a long shot, but I think you should go after this opportunity. And I think I know how to do it. I think I can lay out a plan that increases your chances of actually landing this job. And his plan was to, because he was in the position to get script points before anybody else, because he was on, uh, you know, he was in on the discussions and he was at on the set. So he would see things as they were developing and he would hear things as they were developing. And he would feed me major script points and say, just, you know, without letting Sylvester know anything, let's just have you demo some, write and demo some pieces. And uh, we'll hand, you know, we'll, we'll gather a, a package together. And when the time is right, I will present it to Sly. And we knew because it was a Rocky movie that there was going to be a training scene. We knew there was going to be a fight scene. Uh, I was told that there's going to be a major death and a funeral scene in that movie. And I would go into my, uh, we, we were living in a one bedroom apartment at the time. And in the den of that apartment was my little eight track recording studio wasn't state-of-the-art, but it was enough for me to use as a workshop to write music to and, you know, get reasonable demos uh, of the music made. So as Robin was feeding me this, these script points, I would go into my studio and I would record some pieces of music. And eventually I enlisted the help of a friend of mine from Lake Charles, Louisiana named Ed Fruget, and he became my co-producer on Rocky IV. Um, and he had a studio, a state-of-the-art studio in Lake Charles, Louisiana, where he lived, and he actually owned a music store that this studio was attached to. So he said, Vince, come on over here, and let's let's take your demos and embellish them. And he happened to know somebody at a local university that was part of their music program, and they were um, in charge of an orchestra there. So we were able to go into Ed's state-of-the-art recording studio and hire some of these members of the orchestra to embellish our music. And uh, the end result basically was training montage and war and a couple of other little cues. But the, the version that we recorded before the movie was even uh, produced, the versions of training montage and war were the versions that actually ended up on the soundtrack. We had to change them for the movie itself. Uh, when the footage was done, we had to adjust things. But the sound quality and the performances on the original demo were so good that everybody decided to put them on the actual soundtrack. Well, and, you know, if you don't mind, I mean, if you don't mind taking me through the process briefly, because I, I just, I mean, I don't have, unfortunately, a musical bone in my body so i just <laughs> i i find i find it fascinating that you know anyone who's able to create a score especially such an iconic score to a film like this so like i said if you don't mind taking us through the scoring process i'm assuming that the film is already completed cut and edited do you screen it and then assemble what you think would be an appropriate tune for the scenes or is it the other way around well you know you would think that i would be getting finished 
film to write to, but often that's not the case um, with with any movies. It's unfortunately it should that's the way it should be, and that's the way composers uh, would prefer it. But oftentimes they're given um, rough shots of everything, rough footage, and it's edited later on. And that, that's a good and a bad thing. Uh, the bad part of that is whatever music I have written is going to get cut up eventually. Um, hopefully not too much. Hopefully that the picture that, that they send to the composer is finished enough. But in the case of Rocky Four, I would say eh, maybe 50 to 65% of it was finished when I got it. But what was great about that opportunity was because I had done these demos, they had actually... You know, there's there is uh, to educate your listeners a little bit about the process. There's a there's a process called temping a movie, and that means when they're editing it and when they're shooting it, before it gets to the stage where the musician and the composer actually scores it officially, they put music in just to have a, like a placeholder for for you know, just to have music there to kind of uh, uh, support the scene visually. In the case of Rocky Four, because I had created this music ahead of time, they actually tempt the music, the, I'm sorry, the footage with my music. So they had a good idea of how to cut up the footage to my music in most cases. And then it was just a matter of me, when I finally saw the final footage, adjusting the music that I had written to go with all the hits in the movie, you know, the punches, the, uh, the scenes where accents were needed. And the great part about that is the thematic material had been written uh, and accepted before the movie was shot. So it wasn't like I was starting from, you know, completely from scratch. Uh, and the process was made a little bit easier. But to, you know, the long, I know it's been a long answer to your question, but I did not have 100% of finished footage to write to. And unfortunately, that's not the case very often uh, where you do have finished footage now was there was there a lot of pressure on you to come up with so much new music for a franchise that let's face it already had such an iconic soundtrack or did you just roll with it and run with it well you know it's funny i i, I talk about this in in many interviews about how when when you're doing a rocky movie because it's the fourth one in the franchise and the same guy has scored the previous three, you know that you're going to have to have his music in mind when you do, when you compose new music for Rocky. And in a way that was good for me because I knew the style of Rocky movies from a musical standpoint. The challenge was how do I take Bill Conti's style and adapt it and make it my own what can I do to make it sound more contemporary, you know, update the sound, make it more powerful? And uh, the main difference that I had in mind from the beginning, Bill Conti obviously had some rock elements involved in the music to Rocky, you know, the, the three movies that occurred before that. But I felt that the emphasis was more on the orchestral elements. And I knew one of the things for Rocky IV that I wanted to do was bring the rock elements more to the forefront. I wanted big, powerful drums, heavy guitars, um, uh, synthesizers. And, you know, when I finally got an orchestrator involved 
in Rocky IV, a guy named Jeremy Lubbock, who is a phenomenal orchestrator. He got it right away when he heard my demos, and the first time I met him and started working with him on Rocky IV, he's, I credit him for saying this to me. He said, Vince, we're going to have orchestra involved in this, and it's going to be great, but the orchestra is really going to be there to support the synthesizers rather than the other way around. He said, that's the way I hear it, and that's exactly the way I heard it, and that's the approach that we took. So, you know, obviously I knew there had to be big brass involved because fanfare type music was a big part of the Rocky soundtracks before that and, and the scores. So that was a given. Um, but I, I really worked on getting a big drum sound. I wanted to bring the drums forward in the recording and that really helped the power of the music and helped set it apart from what Bill Conti had done before that. So yeah, I definitely had Bill's music in mind and it was, I didn't look at it as a, as a limitation. Um, I mean, I was nervous, of course, because this was my first movie that I had ever scored. So that was more of a, of a, a challenge than the fact that I had to uh, keep Bill's music in mind. But uh, yeah, once I got going, and of course, the whole idea of being able to score a Rocky movie was so inspirational for me because I loved uh, Rocky one and, and I loved the, the, the two and three as well. But Rocky one really left an impression on me. It's one of my favorite movies. So that inspiration by itself really helped me get over, you know, the nerves and the uncertainty of scoring my first movie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had Bill's music in mind and, uh, just wanted to update his sound. Now I also, you know, I've, Ivan Drago is probably one of the best villains <laughs> of all time in film. And I've always, oh, yeah. I've always loved his, his entrance music. And you did that as well, correct? I did, yes. Now, it's, it's so evil and it has such a style to it. But like I said, I just love the, the music that you employed when, um, when Ivan Drago comes on screen. I'm curious, what was your, what was your inspiration in, in crafting that? I mean, I'm assuming that you had been told, okay, Rocky in this film has this formidable opponent who is just, <laughs> he, he's almost machine-like. Is that kind of what was um, inspiring you when you created that tune or what was going on there? Well, that was one of the few instances where they did have finished picture for me to write to. So seeing this, the footage with the lights behind Drago coming up and coming out into the arena, that was so great. And it was so uh, inspiring that, the way that that cue was approached really was one of the most important elements of my work on Staying Alive and Rocky Four and the movie that came after that, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, was a gentleman named Casey Young. And Casey was the synth programmer on Staying Alive, and I hired him back for working with me on Rocky Four. And not only did Casey bring a room full of the best keyboard gear that was made at the time, and I mean a room full. I can't even count how many synthesizers we had, both analog and digital. But he brought an expertise to how to get the best out of that equipment. And in that particular queue, we really used the equipment to its fullest capacity. And um, a lot of that queue was based on the sounds. and. Uh, Casey would get up, you know, he was, he was almost as important to that process as writing the music was because his sounds are what inspired my composition in that particular case. 
And, you know, it was just a matter of going around to each synthesizer and starting to build the part as I heard it, watching that scene. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted it to sound, we didn't want any orchestral elements in that particular piece because it was so industrial and, and techno based as far as visuals that we wanted to, the music to, uh, to support that in that genre. So yeah, we wanted it to be big sounding, electronic sounding, uh, machine like, uh, and in, and imposing and, and menacing. And, uh, the synthesizers and the technology really, really helped out in that scene. Would you say, in your opinion, is it, as a composer, is it more fun to come up with heroic themes or sinister music for the villains? Uh, that's a great question. I've never been asked that one before. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would have to honestly say, as much fun as it is to write heroic music, the sinister stuff, I've always liked dark. I've always liked darkness and sinister and horror movies and all that stuff. So I think that from a fun standpoint is the most fun for me. But certainly the hero stuff, especially having inspirational footage like Rocky footage to look at, uh, you know, that, that has its own element of, uh, of uh, creative enjoyment. But yeah, I'd say between the two, the sinister stuff is more fun. And last Rocky Four question I will ask you, and then we'll <laughs> then I promise right. I promise we'll uh, we'll move on. But I'm curious. Um, so if we had to if you had to look at and compare both the training montage score as well as the the score War that was played in the final fight, you know both songs yeah. are so iconic yet they're distinct from one another. And so I, I guess I'm curious how did you in coming up with those those two tunes how did you choose to distinguish distinguish the the two of them, if that makes sense. Uh, it does make sense. And training montage was, uh, I'm trying to think how to put this. Um, I knew that the tempo, if this makes any sense, I'm going to go into some music technicalities here. I knew that the tempo of that piece was going to be steady. Whereas in war, I knew there had to be a lot of uh, dynamics and pauses and, you know, it was a long scene. The fight scene was long and there were some lulls and there were some moments of anticipation and tension. Whereas the training montage was from beginning to end. And I knew this ahead of time was going to be, you know, pure continued energy. And it was also not nearly as long as the fight scene. So in some ways, training montage was actually easier to compose and adapt to the movie than war was because there were a lot of hits that were demanded of me in obviously in the fight scene because of all the punches and you know a lot of the tense scenes the music had to kind of pause where the tempo was not an issue it was a freestanding um I don't know how else to put it so that your listeners will understand, but it came out of tempo. It came out of the forward energy. It had to pause and it had to uh, signify anticipation and tension. So that was more of a challenge. Um, and that was the major difference between the two pieces. Training montage, as soon as the, the music starts rhythmically, um, as soon as the scene is introduced, uh, 
you know, once the once the tempo starts and once the drums start, it it stayed continuous through the whole piece. Whereas War was kind of an up and down, peaks and valleys type of piece. Okay. Well, you know, the 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 last thing I will say about Rocky Four is, I mean. Outside of Dolph Lundgren being such an amazing villain, uh, the the film is as well. It's clearly it's the most financially successful of all the Rocky pictures, and it is a fan favorite among so many people, not just myself. But I think a lot of a lot of the credit and a lot of the reason for that, I honestly feel, go goes to you and goes to your score. So because I think the the music in the film is just as much a character as as all the characters are. So uh, excellent job. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, it was uh, to this day, I consider it a blessing to have that opportunity. And especially after all these years, it still holds up and people still mention it and and uh, mention it as a source of inspiration. And that that's a that is a big blessing to me. Yeah. Well, when when we are when we are finished uh, uh, chatting, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go for a run and listen to training montage if that's okay. So, <laughs> so now it was Rocky four that led you to score the transformers movie. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, the producers of transformers came to me as a direct result of hearing my score to Rocky four. And even though the mu the movies were quite different, there were some, um, uh, similar elements and, uh, you know, the whole hero thing, the whole good versus evil thing. And, you know, I credit them with with coming to me, even knowing that I had done quite a different movie with Rocky Four, and they heard how that style could be adapted to their movie. So, yeah, that that uh, opportunity came about as a direct result of my work on Rocky Four. What are some of the, the big differences between scoring a live action film and an animated picture? Well, there's a funny story about that. When I was approached, the first meeting that I had with the producers of Transformers, um, they asked me if I was familiar with working with something called storyboards. And basically, storyboards are miniature drawings of each scene. Uh, this is before they have any footage together. And a lot, uh, often this is done with animated um, projects and uh, because they don't really have anything uh, viewable at the beginning of the process. In fact, in a lot of cases, they will, uh, uh what's the word, uh, sculpt their footage to the music that's written, which is nice. It's nice for the composer because, uh, uh, you know, you have more freedom that way to, uh, come up with original ideas and you're not limited by, uh, visual footage. Now, having said that, it's, a big challenge to write to these storyboards. Like I say, they're miniature drawings. Each there's there's a collection of boxes, and each box has underneath it it has the timings of from when to when that the scene takes place, and a drawing of kind of what the action is going to be like. Now, when the producers came to me and asked me if I had done this before, I did the classic, uh, "Yeah, I've done that plenty of times," when I had never done it before. <laughs> And, uh, you know, when I finally got these storyboards, I was like, uh oh, you know, this is going to be very, very challenging. I did the best that I could with what I was given and the music that I created. Uh, let me, let me differentiate between Rocky Four and Transformers. I had, I think the equivalent of 
10 to 12 weeks to do all the music for Rocky Four, and that means compose it, record it, submit it, um, get approval for it. But that was only 37 minutes of music. I had six weeks for Transformers to write 70 minutes of music. So that gives you an idea of the cramming that I had to do and the stress of trying to get this thing done. So the music that I created based on the storyboards, it wasn't until I actually saw how that music was used in the footage that I realized a lot of adjustment needed to be made. And that was a challenge. That was a big challenge in comparison to Rocky Four. I had to do a little bit of adjustment in Rocky, but a lot of adjustment in Transformers. And again, I want to credit uh, the same co-producer that I used for Rocky Four, uh, Ed Frugge from Lake Charles. He actually offered to help the music editor in Transformers uh, edit my music. And he was very intimately familiar with this music because he was in you know, in on the process when I was composing it as being a co-producer. So he would represent my music to the music editor and really helped make the cuts that needed to be made sound musical and not sound like they were edited. So that was the big difference between the two movies. Um, a lot of editing needed to be done. And I have to say, when I finally saw the finished version, uh, and I know how much attention it has received, and I'm, I'm again, I feel very blessed for it. But I was not initially very happy with the final product for a number of reasons. When I first saw it on the scoring stage, as every composer usually feels when they first see their work represented up on screen, I thought that they ducked the music down too far underneath the sound effects. But that's common. I mean, I, I knew to expect that. Uh, what really worried me was even with Ed being there representing my music and making the cuts as musical as we could, I felt that it could have been better. If I had had footage to look at from the beginning rather than storyboards, I would have done some things differently. But you know what? It does not matter because the final product has been, just like Rocky IV, has been um, – has has received a lot of positive attention, uh, much to my surprise. When when Transformers first came out, um, if you remember, it was pretty much a bomb at the theater. It came out, and I think it was in and out in a week. And because I wasn't familiar with the Transformers franchise before I got involved with the movie, I had not watched a TV series. I wasn't aware, you know, maybe on the outer fringes of my thought process. I knew about the toys and I knew about the word Transformers, but I really wasn't familiar with anything of it before um, they came to me to score this movie or much of it. wasn't aware of much of it. So when the movie came in or came out and, and went out so quickly, um, I won't say I forgot about it and I would never say that I just did it for the money, but you know, be, Joining the two facts, the, the first fact being that I wasn't really happy with the final product, and then the second fact was that the movie at that point didn't seem like a success, it kind of retreated into the background of my mind. And it remained there for 11 years until I was contacted by the, the organizer of a Transformers convention called BotCon. In 1997, I was invited to uh, BotCon. Uh, in Rochester, New York, 
And when I got that call, I was so surprised and flabbergasted that, you know, the organizer was telling me that, um, you know, you don't realize the movie has actually risen to cult status and your score has received a lot of positive attention. Uh, and there's a lot of fans for, for not only for the movie, but for your music. And it really, it, it was one of the most surprising things to me in my career because this was 11 years after the fact. And, uh, Stan Bush, who was the singer on two of the songs in the movie Transformers, the movie, one of which I wrote called Dare and the other one, which he wrote called The Touch. He and I were both invited to that convention and he and I were equally surprised when we arrived in Rochester, New York and we had a panel set up uh, at the convention and the line for that panel went out the door of the hotel and down uh, one or two blocks. It was amazing. And that really gave us our first glimpse into how much attention that movie had received since we had basically forgotten about it. So that was very surreal, but it was really, really um, rewarding and enriching. And we both had been invited to several Transformers conventions since then. So, uh, yeah, you know, that was it, it was the most surprising project of my career in that it, had, it there had been 11 years that passed since I did the work and I had no idea it was going to go on to receive that cult status well and stan bush i mean there there is another uh another musical talent who um he, he had quite a few songs that were in the film uh kickboxer the jean-claude van damme film kickboxer and i'll admit th those yes. songs as well are still on my workout playlist so the two of you uh, maybe the two of you could form like a like a band of some kind like a workout band or <laughs> something like that but um but, you know that's a good but, movie. you know, it's got to be I mean, it's got to be extremely humbling just to see, you know, these these tunes that you have, have crafted and that you created over 30 years ago. Here they are 30 years later. There are fans who um, still love them. And like you said earlier, they 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 magically still hold up to this day. So, um, yeah, congratulations, because I just think that's that's amazing. Well, thank you so much. And this upcoming show that you have, um, again, that is September 20th at the Whiskey A Go-Go in West Hollywood. Is that right? That's correct. Um, and I imagine when you play these these songs, I mean, does the crowd just, uh, I mean, because I know if I was there, I'd be, does the crowd just get all, all sorts of excited? And I mean, is it is it pretty surreal to see? I got to tell you, uh, the last time I performed this music live was early this year in January, back in an event. Uh, back east called MAGFest, and it stands for Music and Games Festival. And because this was basically centered around video games, and I have scored some video games with my partner, Kenny Meredith, but not a lot. Uh, you know, my, the emphasis for me was on the movies that I did uh, way back when. So I was initially concerned, and I mentioned this concern to the organizer of MAGFest. I said, you know, are these people, you know, you're inviting me to perform here. Do you think your audience is going to know of my work in films because this is centered more on video games. And she said, you'll be very surprised that not only will the audience recognize your work and remember your work, but there, there are several composers that we have invited here to perform that also cite your work as uh, influenced, ha having influenced and inspired their own work. So when I got there, 
I really didn't know, and I'm 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 sincerely honest about this, until I got out on stage and received an amazing welcome by that audience. I didn't know how this music was going to go over. I was concerned about it. I was concerned that people in that audience really wouldn't know too much about Rocky Four and Transformers. But I think because of such a connection to games that both of those movies have, especially Transformers, this audience was very, very enthusiastically receptive. And every piece of music that we did, and we we performed some music from Rocky Four and Transformers and some other things from video games, they knew every piece of music. And um, that they, they were so enthusiastic throughout the whole concert. And I'm hoping that that's the case at this show with the whiskey and we are going to be performing music from Rocky four music from transformers, actually a little bit more than we did back East because I have more time for this event. Uh, I had 30, 30 or 35 minutes at Magfest, whereas I'm actually doing two sets of music. I think I mentioned this at my show at the whiskey. The first set is going to be about maybe an hour long. And it's going to feature this new band that I mentioned called saga star. It's a progressive rock band, a four piece, progressive rock band and that goes on about eight o'clock and about nine thirty is when what i call the vince and friends bands uh, band comes on and that's where i'll be performing um music from rocky four and transformers and some of the video games i scored with with again with my collaborator longtime collaborator kenny meredith so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the crowd response it's great to play this will only be I don't know, the second or third time I've done some of these pieces live with a band. Many times at at Transformers conventions, because of the limited budgets, I had to perform with what they call backing tracks. Uh, they couldn't afford to hire musicians, so I had to create pre-recorded tracks to play to. And it was just, you know, it was it was just either my me by myself with the backing tracks or me and one other musician. Uh, and the backing tracks. Whereas for MAGFest and for this event, I actually, uh, well, especially for this event coming up in September at the Whiskey, I handpicked all these musicians and they have been working very hard for months to prepare this material. And we're, we're actually going to go into full band rehearsals, uh, a week before the show, uh, for both bands. And that'll be the first time that we actually get together as a band and play this material. And uh, I'm so excited and everybody has done their homework and we've been in constant contact. So I know everybody's very well prepared and it's just a matter of, you know, putting all the final details in place when we get to full band rehearsals. But yes, I am very much looking forward to an enthusiastic response when we do, um, these pieces for the movies. Do you do you hang out after after the shows and uh and you know hang out with the fans and do photo ops with the fans ever or Yes, every every time I've appeared at conventions or performed at uh concerts, uh I have made myself available. Uh in this instance, um because <laughs> it it's 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 been a very it's been the biggest endeavor that I've undertaken in my career just to put a, a show this big together uh and it's it's involved a lot of expense um which i was happy to invest because this is going to be a very important and very rewarding show i'm, I'm anticipating 
So I am going to do a meet and greet. There may be a small nominal charge only because of all the expenses that I've incurred and every little bit helps. But yes, I am going to make myself available after the show for uh, photo ops and meet and greet. Well, hey, Mr. Decola, thank you so much for your time and uh, and chatting with me. Um, if I was uh, <laughs> if I was a little closer, I would um, I would definitely head out to that. But I will be including a link to where fans and anyone who uh, is interested in going to the show, I'll include a link to, uh, to tickets in, in the show notes. But thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. It's it's uh, my honor, and and I just want to give a shout out to any of my fans who may be listening. I so appreciate that you have stuck with me and with my music for all these years. Well, hey, Mr. DeCola, thank you so much, and um, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. I look forward to seeing videos of this show. Um, hopefully they, they pop up on YouTube or on your website or on your Facebook page or, or anything like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, paying to have the show oh, filmed. Cool. So I expect once, once I get that footage and edit it to my desire, um, I will definitely be posting it on all YouTube. All right, great. Well, hey, have a great day. Thank you again. You too. Thank you, Sean.